Pierre Darcy, the Catholic bishop. Ooh, Darcy. Dar oh, Darcy's with an S. Oh, never mind. That's not hot. You're projecting. <laughs> <laughs> projecting. <laughs> Okay, so this is part two. If you haven't listened to part one, I think you should go and listen to part one. Um, we are talking about what, Carol? Uh, the Shroud. Of? Of. <laughs> to, to yeah. Okay. Um, it's supposed to be... Uh, Wait, for, okay. oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. My name is Elise, mm -hmm. and you are? Oh, <laughs> I'm Carol, and this is... And then it got weird. Yeah, so a little recap. So it's not just my ass talking about... <laughs> Can you give a little recap? Yeah, so um, we were talking about the Shroud of Turin, and it's supposedly the, the cloth that was laid over Jesus' body when he was... Um, not buried. What what's the those places that they put them in? Um, when he it, it's a uh, what's it called? Let me look it up. I have the better. I have the proper wording here. <laughs> like for some reason, I'm blanking too. Oh, it's a yeah. It's an actual burial garment. Yeah. Oh okay. They wrapped it around his body. Yeah, and supposedly it it has um his figure. Not like his face and his body kind of like there's an there's an imprint left. Yeah. Yeah, just go back and listen to part one, but that's like the little catch up just in case you kind of forgot what we're talking about. Um okay, so um where we left off, uh, we were talking about the the research that came out with a conclusion that maybe it is not um, the the shroud that covered the body of at least the person historically, uh, uh, Jesus, mm -hmm. which I guess would have to be Jesus Christ in a religious way if we're going to talk about the shroud thing happening in the first place. Um, so the finding that came out, a strong finding in 2018, was saying that it is uh, probably not it because of... You know, different things like the carbon-14 is not enough to mark it at the time. And also the positioning, ow, of the, of the, <laughs> lucky just baby. That's why I said ow, of the, um, of what should have been the body, the corpse at the time. It doesn't match with what it should have been if you are actually wrapping it around a dead body. And the thing that, uh, and the last thing I mentioned specifically was that the, chairman of the forensic science uh, sciences at george washington university is the one that in an interview about these uh findings he said that he was a bit skeptical about it though and that we are not we're not dealing with things that we really know about and we quote we just don't know if this cloth was laid on someone who just lay there or was wrapped around the body or moved some before being put in a particular place and this goes back to let's say spreading a little bit of doubt or like giving life to the idea that it might be authentic. And as I said, the Roman Catholic Church has not taken an official position on the authenticity of the cloth of the shroud. Now, this is what is supposed... See, like, this is where I, I'm a, a bit like... I was a little bit confused about about it because I have heard a lot coming from people that are supposed to be in connection or part of the Catholic Church in kind of like a, let's say, official kind of way, you know, not just a believer, about the shroud being something that we should take care of and stuff like that. And then you also hear from other sources that are part of the Catholic Church too, which I, I will I will have to write down because there's like a, there's a lot of sources that I got things from. Um they kind of leave it as in like, oh, this is not an official, we don't say that this is an official relic. Mm -hmm. Okay, so having said that, I want to, first of all, def uh, define what 
actually a relic means within the context of the Catholic Church. This is something that I did not know, and I'm pretty sure that most Catholics don't know because it's like I'm saying it like I'm the most, you know, well-versed in the Catholic Church. <laughs> I don't mean it that way, but um, yeah, I even when I was researching the stuff about the Shroud and when it comes up being mentioned as a relic, it doesn't go down to explain what a relic is, like as, as I said, within the meaning that it would have under the official Catholic Church definition, which is not the same as a layman's term. What, what would you define as a relic if I asked you right now? Um, something, an object mm-hmm. that holds some historical importance. Right. Um, And uh, I think that's the normal way that we would all define it as. Now, just to to keep it brief, um, at first, there's different classes of relics within the definition of the Catholic Church. Um, And this gives a lot of room, in my opinion, and I think... Well, I shouldn't even say my opinion. It does give a lot of room to what we it can what can be considered a relic. Um, for example, there's a first class type of relic, and these are relics held to be of uh, part of the body of a saint or oh right. Remember that we talked mm-hmm. before about Santa Rosa de Lima, how they were supposed to have like her skull. Yeah. Right? Now this happens a lot with bodies of saints. Um, so there's that. The first class means a part of a body of a saint or also any objects used in the crucifixion that carry the body, that carry the blood of Christ. Sorry. Um, for example, there's this thing. Well, before I keep going, let me just go back. So that's the first one. Now there's a second class which is anything known to have been touched or used by a saint. Mm-hmm. Okay, so again, to be known to have been. So mm, here we get a little bit tricky with like uh, trying to prove these things. but right. right. And then the relic of third class is a devotional object touched to a first class relic. And... Usually, these become formally blessed as sacramental. Now, if we look at the shroud, it is something that touched the blood of Christ, even though it is not what would be called a first-class relic, which is supposed to have been the actual object used in the crucifixion. So, it touched the blood. So, where does it stand, you know? Mm-hmm. And we can see that sometimes it does get some type of some at least symbolic blessing if because there's a when there are exhibitions of it which i'm going to explain a little bit more about and you see if you're part of the um the people that are attending like you can see the the priest perform some rites in front of it so it's like are is it being uh blessed as sacramental or like things become a little bit tricky from the point of view of an attendee you know Mm -hmm. and like i said there's these classes so it's like where does it stand you know how like what where are you gonna put it and and how much should we care about it you know Mm -hmm. for example talking about the first class relic for example that i mentioned about um an object that was used in the crucifixion. Um, there's this. Um, one second. There is a relic, the first class relic. Like I said, it's um, the original crown of thorns, supposed to have, supposed to be the one that was originally placed on the head of Jesus during the crucifixion, right? Um, you know about this, I, I'm sure. I think most people have seen the pictures. I mean, the the paintings and you know the pictures of of the crown of thorns. Yeah. Right. Um, so this is um, okay. So this is supposed to be very important. The, the pieces of the cross 
are also supposed to be held by the Catholic Church and, for example, the crown of thorns. And these are symbols of the suffering of Christ for mankind, you know, and so it's very important as we can, you know, easily imagine. For example, the crown of thorns, it hasn't been experimented on in anything that would show any kind of research similar to how the shroud has been tested on so many times. The crown of thorns is not, not in this way at least, anything published like that. It is actually kept in Notre Dame. It was actually kept in Notre Dame, the, um, what's it called? The cathedral? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I think we might remember that there was a big uh, fire that happened in, actually it was 2019. It's I thought it was more recent. Oh, yeah, I remember it was like online everywhere. Yeah, um, I thought it was 2020 or 21 for some reason, but it's actually 2019. And, you know, destroyed a big part of the of the cathedral. They were able to save and they moved it to the Louvre Museum. Louvre? How do you say it? Louvre? Louvre. The Louvre? Yeah. The <laughs> Why Louvre? am I saying I Louvre? <laughs> the Louvre Museum in um, Paris. It's there now. And um, so far as when it was still in, in Notre Dame, it used to be brought out um, for the faithful to see every Good Friday at a special service that was held in Notre Dame, um, and this is, like I said, a first-class relic, but, mm-hmm. you know, interestingly, is not one that has been put through so much scrutiny. So, uh, I don't know how, like, if this affects at all how things are actually classified, you know? Mm. Oh, and interestingly enough, um, the crown, they're supposed to be, like, there's, there's, there was a time where it was copied, and there's about maybe 500 copies around. Oh. Yeah, but the actual authentic one is supposed to be held in Paris. Now, I mentioned this because when we're talking about, about relics, you know, it's not even, we're not even going to touch the topic of science at this point. We're talking about the meaning that it could have, why it's important, mm-hmm. right? For example, there are. When we're talking about copies, there are copies made of the shroud as well. And I was searching about it and turns out there's this intri- um, there's this permanent exhibition that was open in October 2022 in um, St. Thomas, Ap- Thomas the Apostle Catholic Church, which is in Michigan. There was an exhibit that was open there and it's still going on. And... Actually, this copy of the shroud had been on display in Sacramento, California for like about 10 years. And then it's it got moved to this permanent exhibition. And it looks exactly the same as the one, um, you know, the, the authentic shroud. Well, the one that is mm-hmm. the one that we're talking about in Turin. And there's another um, permanent exhibit, too, that's in Notre Dame Center in Jerusalem. So there's different copies, you know, that are being presented by these like, official Catholic um, entities, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to send you a picture of what the exhibition looks like. To the bottom right of the corner of the picture is actually a statue that it's supposed to be the the position in which Jesus was buried. Okay. So that's the shroud? Yeah. All right. So it's like in this room. And hung on the wall, I think, framed in like a wooden frame is the shroud. And it's like long rectangular-wise. Yeah. Um, and then there's a cardinal, a pope? Not a pope. <laughs> there's only one pope. <laughs> uh, a father. A pope. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, he's like standing there with like a stick. Is he doing like the... The spreading with like um, water kind of thing. Yeah, he's doing a sacrament, right? Oh, that's what it's called? Yeah, so it's like if you watch this, like I said, I mean, it's a ritual, right? And it's kind of like if you're watching this mm-hmm. as a person that is tending, it looks kind of like what you do to a thing that's supposed to be holy, right? I thought you were going to say something that was um, that needs to be exercised. <laughs> That's another one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that is 
um the exhibit if you're watching this you don't like most people even catholics we don't know exactly all the types of uh what's it called rituals that there are so when i mentioned the thing about the shroud not being considered a relic because it's it hasn't gone through the sacramental uh what's it called oh through the sacraments then it's just like what are we even talking about like for the public <laughs> we're all gonna be confused of course Mm-hmm. And something interesting that I I saw when I was looking at the pictures of the exhibit, which can be found on the website of the of the um, the cathedral that is sponsoring this exhibit. Can you? I sent you a picture of one of the images that is being displayed on the exhibition. Can you descri- describe what I sent you? Um. So it is half. It's like a image of like half of it is showing. I guess like what the face looks like on the shroud mm-hmm. so it's kind of like um like blurry yeah it's right? like it's not it's not defined yeah it's not really clear right because it's on the, on the shroud yeah. you can't really see that clearly all the yeah and then on the right side showing like the sec the other half of the face it's kind of like i think a sketch of what they imagine the face of let's say jesus looked like based on the um image left behind on the on the shroud um that's exactly what it is it's like let's say like a reconstruction but in drawing in the sketches as you said of what we imagine we i mean what they imagine the face to look like if the image had been clearer um now when you look at it though like i like i said um when we're talking about the shroud it's supposed to be like a thing that was 3d around the face and the picture is not 3d it matches the exact side and it's a flat image, right? It's an image on a piece of paper. So if you grab the, the piece of paper that it, of the sketch and you put it over a person's he- face, it's not going to make sense, right? Yeah. So it's like, oh, the shroud is actually the same way. And it's kind of like this is part of the exhibition and yet you're making it look like the shroud is 2D. <laughs> right. It's not mm-hmm. helping if you're going to make a point of it. And the thing is, like, they're not saying it's authentic either. See, like, that's where I kind of feel like it's a bit unclear. Because Mm -hmm. why is a cathedral holding an exhibition of something that is allegedly not, you know, at least a first-class relic? um, Because it's supposed to have touched the blood of Christ. It should be, like, higher up there. But um, they're portraying it as if it is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like having it both ways, so to speak. Um, and <clears throat> and the picture on the sketch is like a very close image to what we tend to see from medieval paintings of Jesus, right? Yeah. If we look at the face, like he has the long hair too mm-hmm. on the sketch. So it's like where are the you're filling in, or it could be argued that they're filling in the picture with what we have in our heads as to be the face of jesus yeah you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i don't know if that helps the case at all i think if you know one is to go in already kind of having a, like a preconceived notion you're gonna see it and you're gonna be like, oh that's the face but then if you go in and you think about how you know what you go in kind of like with um not doubt but i guess a bit of skepticism or just curiosity without a bias, you're going to see, wait, how come it matches? Like, it's 2D. How can it match? Right. What are you comparing it to? It's the same thing, I feel, as comparing it, you know, the blood of the, the alleged blood on the bread from the, you know, the, the bread and wine to the blood on the shroud matching. It's kind of like, okay, but where are you getting the first uh uh what's it called the first evidence that you're starting off with mm-hmm. you know yeah and i don't think this kind of stuff stands without faith right mm-hmm. you know i kept looking at the website about the exhibition of the shroud and it is sponsored by something called the isf which is called it's in italian so i'm gonna try my best instituto ciencia e fede which means the institute of science and faith Mm -hmm. which Hmm. strange combination (laughs) right 
It's an oxymoron. I feel oxymoron. <laughs> I said it. <laughs> it sounded so. It seems like you were you were putting a stressor on on part of that word. <laughs> And I totally, I totally didn't mean, even mean that right now. Can you just say it for me? I have some issues sometimes talking. <laughs> <laughs> an oxymoron. Yeah. See, why do I want to say more? <laughs> oxymoron. No, that's not right. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just gonna leave it there. <laughs> Try. Well, um, this is a portal of the Institute of Science and Faith. Through, I mean, this is a portal being introduced by the website of the Catholic Church of Saint Thomas the Apostle. Um, I sent you a screenshot of it. Oh, let me see. I want you to look at it, and it's a normal website, right? So at the top, do you see there's a um, how do you call that? The top menu, right? Bulletin giving school. <laughs> Is it that one? <laughs> you just, how do you find that with you know among all those uh, options, Carol? <laughs> um, know, can you read all the options? Yes, home. Mass times? Uh, they're, they're separate. Supposed to be two words: mass and times. Yeah. Zero. Calendar. Mm -hmm. Event request form. Bulletin. Giving school. Contact. Yeah. Us. So, one could say that the the whole thing with the shroud is convenient to bring people oh, in because, and this is just me sounding. How would you say? That's, this is just you thinking it's us. <laughs> yeah, and you know, it's not just me. Like I said, in uh, how many years ago? Let me go back to so I can get the name right. Um, the dude. <laughs> the dude. Um, yeah, um, I'm just kind of echoing. It's not new. Like I said, like I mentioned before in the first episode, um, as early as, as 1390, when the, the Shroud first emerged in, in France at, at the time. Um, the Catholic bishop wrote to the Pope at the moment that this was a clever sleight of hand by someone, quote, falsely declaring this was the actual shroud in which Jesus was unfolded in the tomb to attract the multitude so that money might cunningly be wrung from them. I don't know what to do with <laughs> Wait, uh... Did it just straight up just say? Oh yeah, I, I mentioned the first. Damn, Carol, you're not listening to me at all. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I caught it the first time around. All right, this is why you don't remember anything from church. <laughs> just block it. <laughs> Maybe my eyes just glaze over. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, I'm gonna repeat what I said last time. As early as 1390, about 35 years after the shroud what uh, first emerged in France Pierre Darcy the Catholic Bishop Ooh, Darcy Dar oh, Darcy's with an S oh never mind that's not hot you're projecting <laughs> <laughs> projecting <laughs> um, so the Pierre Darcy's or RC um, the Catholic Bishop in Troy um, wrote to Pope Clement VII who was a Pope at the time 1390 that the shroud was a, quote, a clever sleight of hand by someone, quote, falsely declaring this was the actual shrouding which Jesus was enfolded in the tomb to attract the multitude so that money might cunningly be wrung from them. Wow. This was ignored. <laughs> Apparently, because it was still, you know. I love how they didn't bother to get rid of that document. <laughs> I think there's just too much, too many things just floating around. They're probably like, "Hey, all these things have happened that hasn't brought us down. This won't bring us down." <laughs> <laughs> all these things. <laughs> oh man! All these things includes everything. <laughs> It's a lot of things. <laughs> um, I'm not being salty. <laughs> these are just facts. <laughs> um, yeah. So that. Is something that was out there, and I think when you see these type of things, just so unabashedly, and I don't know if it's even unabashed, it's just kind of like they just keep you in a hundred. 
<laughs> but like if you go to a museum, for example, Museum of Natural History, they they do have like an option for donations too, right? Yeah. So how is this any different, you could say? Because one's educational. Well, this is educational too because you're seeing, well, it's not even the real one, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, in the museum, they have real dead animals, so... That's that's true. <laughs> but, you know, now that we're talking... What, what do you say? This is not education? You said that? I did say that. I, I will stand by it. I beg to kind of go against it. Um, because there is such a thing as <laughs> why you why did you sigh right now? <laughs> I'm just I'm I'm stealing myself for what I'm about to hear. <laughs> um, there is such a thing as a postgraduate certificate in shroud studies. That's very specific. Yes, this is offered by the. Pontifical Athenium Regina Apostolorum, which is an ecclesiastical institution of higher education that's promoted by the Congregation of the Legionnaires of Christ, um, which is part of the Catholic Church, officially. This is not some uh, people just sprouting this up out of nowhere. This what? is official. Why did they allow that to be a major if... The shroud isn't even sacramented, sacramental, right? Um, <laughs> I was quite surprised when I found out about this. <laughs> I did not go in to find any of this at all. Um, but oh my god! Just side note: How yes. expensive is it? <laughs> for, um, to pay for those schools because I think I'm about to have a heart attack <laughs> so it is a total cost of 530 euros for for this certificate in oh, shroud it's a studies certificate. Oh. for some reason I thought like I heard like it was like a concentration of like you have to that's the field that you choose to study in like like the two year kind of thing or like the four year kind of thing oh well okay so it's a certificate it's still a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is that the name is postgraduate certificate because one of the requirements for the, for the admission is to hold a bachelor's degree or at least a three-year degree or alternatively, students may audit the program. So you won't get a certificate, you know, you mm -hmm. audit. Yeah. And to do so, they are only required to complete the courses. So there's other courses too. And conferences, after which they will receive a certificate of attendance. And one point is that, you know, I said the certificate, this postgraduate certificate in Shroud Studies is 530 euros. It is available to pay in two installments of 265 euros at registration and then 265 when you are done. So that's helpful if you can't afford it. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you paying for it? <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, if you want to study, that's cool. But, like, why are you asking for donations? You know, I might have to cut this out because now I just sound judgy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this is not a debunking. And I'm just like, <laughs> you know, I'm like. <laughs> but, uh, okay, so a little bit about this shroud study. It says, um, I'll read the little blurb. Okay, you know what? Maybe you should read a little blurb okay. about what it is. Because it matters, right? What position is being taken? Why are we discussing this at all? You know? And anyway, it's two semesters long. So that's wow. a thing. Um, I'll send you... So that means it's bank and you're getting your bank for your books. <laughs> hey, it's cheaper than college. So we should be thankful. Yep. All right, course description. The Science and Faith Institute of the Pontifical Athenaeum Regina Apostolorum in collaboration, in collaboration with Othonia, the International Center of Studies on the Shroud in Turin, and the Giulio Ricci Diocesan Center of 
Synthonology of Rome is offering the sixth consecutive English edition of the Postgraduate Certificate in Shroud Studies, now in its 13th edition in Italian and in its fourth edition in Spanish language. This online program offers a panoramic view of several interrelated fields, theology, archaeology, history, physics, chemistry, forensic medicine, etc. The program is for priests, seminarians, consecrated men and women, lay apostles, professors, researchers, journalists, in short, anyone who desires a deeper grasp of Shroud studies using an, using an interdisciplinary approach. The Italian stuff threw me off it. It like made me it made me pronounce normal English words like kind of like weird. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so, what do you think about that? Any thoughts? Um, what does consecrated men and women mean? People who are like communi- uh, communi- has have had their communion and stuff like that. Remember when we talked about Santa Rosa too? Yeah, she was not just a lay person that was. Um, Oh, uh, let me see. Somebody who has been set apart to the service of God. So, so not a normal person. Yeah, I think you do some stuff. Wait. Um. Yeah, for example, priest, I guess, is is a nun a con- okay is a nun a consecrated person? For example, okay, nuns and sisters are what we call consecrated vocations. Consecrated life takes many forms: priests, nuns, monks, etc. But is ultimately a way of life which strives to imitate Christ through chastity, poverty, and obedience. Okay, so you don't have to be an ordained person. I think there. Okay, so that's the difference. Yeah, ordained and consecrated is so that you can make yourself kind of official without being ordained that's consecrated yeah also now that you mentioned the whole nun thing that's not included here (laughs) oh my god can nuns not study (laughs) i think they can i thought you said nuns were ordained and not consecrated i mean i mean um it's a higher level let's say higher level we're gonna talk about levels yeah but it doesn't mention nuns I think <laughs> it doesn't say spe- it says specifically priests. That's like any uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> women gets their education, even if it's in shroud. <laughs> shroud education. <laughs> oh. I can't believe this is an educational institute of the Catholic Church in Rome. Like, what is happening? Like, <laughs> we, we should know all these things. I don't know why we're not told all these things. We, yo, I went to CCD, okay? And I did not just the the first communion one. I did the one for the, what's it called? Um, confirmation. Confirmation, yeah. I was never told anything about how this the structure of the church or like how options off, off, not is like how institutions related to it official institutions work at all we just talk about stories of the bible and like what you should do how to like act whatever stuff like that but we don't talk about the history of the church or like current uh, what's it called organizational situation of it uh-huh. Right? I think we should all know a little bit about this. I think they want you to know. (laughs) I think that's how they get you. (laughs) Mommy, come here. (laughs) No. Um, Oh, no, I meant to tell mom, not to tell on you. Oh, okay. You thought I was going to tell on you. (laughs) I thought you were going to betray me. (laughs) Like Judas. Yeah. (laughs) Um... Now, that was lucky. I guess she talking about Judas. <laughs> she attacked me right now. She wanted attention. Oh my god! I forgive you. <laughs> you have learned Christ. well from your CCD. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, Forgiveness. Oh, that song. <laughs> it lives in my mind, rent free, as they say. Yeah. Um. Okay, so there's shroud studies. And the there's expositions, there's expos, 
and there's like uh, what's it called there's open donations exhibitions just like museums you know because it that's okay i guess you know but now we're going to talk about the shroud a bit more you know how so still we're not really sure about the position of the church yeah as i mentioned there are copies made right mm-hmm. okay so the one that is being in the expo, expo that i expo sorry that's not an expo, exhibition sorry um that's a copy right but there's not only normal copies this is a very normal copy there's other special copies how can a copy be special is it glow in the dark please <laughs> tell me it's glow in the dark it's for raves <laughs> <laughs> um okay so i'll tell you a little story story time um about this very special copy of the shroud um it goes like this maria madalena which was the grand duchess of tuscany she commissioned a copy of the holy shroud in 1624 you know the shroud was already known to be i guess important i guess it would be the right word or ah, lucky lucky is just she's she's like kissing the microphone right she's biting the cord you can't do that baby i want to give her something that she can chew on just freaking put her in her cage i'm just kidding (laughs) 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 for a second i was like what (laughs) what who Who are are you you? (laughs) (laughs) she's beautiful Um, she can stay she only goes in her cage for sleeping time oh my gosh she's so spoiled she is i want her to bite me <laughs> I've like marks over my arms. Uh, she hasn't become like those um pineapple green cheeks, right? That like eat you alive. That like just go in and like make an actual hole in your Yeah, meat. and they continue right there <laughs> in that same hole just to make sure Do they get to the have... bone marrow. <laughs> they work. There's this it's work in progress every single hole they make in your skin. They actually take out a piece of flesh. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's yeah, because I have the little scars beautiful scars yeah okay so as i said to grand dutch before lucky started to chew, oh my god i gave her two toy and she just grabbed it with her beak and she just tossed it oh beautiful she's like i don't want this shit she knows what she wants <laughs> okay so um the grand duchess of tuscany maria madalena commissioned a copy of the holy shroud in 1624 now after the copy was made okay hear this it was laid right on top of the actual shroud so that it could be venerated as a third-class relic. This is not just me writing shit. This is from the okay. actual source. So with this reasoning, that means whatever touches the shroud can technically be a third-class relic. Yes. So what is the shroud? Wait. I thought the shroud wasn't exactly anything. Exactly. The more you read about this, and it, like I said, it's not just a shroud. Like, oh, carbon fourteen. Or the, it's not just that part. It's just about how it's being treated. It brings up questions about what is the actual position of the church on this. Hmm. Do you understand? What I'm, yeah. You know, you know what I mean, right? It's like okay, so like just lead me down the path of how it's being treated and how it's presented, and it just. You know, what is one to believe? You know? Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Hmm? No, I'm just like, hmm. Yeah, so... the It was laid on top of the actual shroud so that it could be venerated as a third-class relic, um, which is something that has touched the blood. You know? Um, and what happened next, it astonished everyone... Um, because the copy was lifted off the original and a damp mark, like blood, was found on the shroud's side wound. Um, The dark fluid had seeped into the copy lying on top. The shroud is probably, the original shroud was definitely dry by this point. (laughs) This is in 1624, (laughs) right? It's not like it's a fresh... Yeah, it has fresh blood on it, and you put something on top, the blood's going to go there. And it's just dry, dry blood, blood, uh-huh. or, you know, 
whatever stuff, which there seems to have been blood, actually, at least in some parts. You put the copy on top, blood seeps through it. Where is this blood coming from? I do not know. Nobody knows. Okay. Uh, how did that... This is 1632, right? 1624, yeah. Uh, 1624. Yes. Why? Oh. Mm. No, nothing. <laughs> what? What? I was just going to be like, why do they have records of that, but not records of other things? Like? Like that they restored it after the fire. Good point. Mm. Okay. So after 300 years after that, which would be 19? 1920 something. Well, I, I'm guessing a little bit more than that. Um, around that time, 300 years later, the scientist who examined the Holy Shroud, analyzed, you know, they, they analyzed the Holy Shroud, the one from Turin, that's in Turin right now, and they analyzed the copy as well. And the test results are them because the dark patch on the copy was also blood. And it was the same blood as the one on the original shroud. Now, we can't really find too much about this study. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily been so much peer-reviewed as the one about the shroud. Uh-huh. And, excuse me? Uh-huh, I said. Yeah, but it should be significant, right? Yeah, because that's kind of going to prove a miracle, right? Yeah, exactly. And then um, it was still, the copy was held as being very important in the very least. Um, <laughs> so what happened is that the Dominicans of the monastery in Rome, which was the one that was holding the copy of the shroud, which they had gotten as, as a gift from the, um, the duchess, um, they kept it for a really long time, like, you know, for hundreds of years. And then they gave it to the Dominican Monastery in Summit, New Jersey after World War One. So you can go visit it. <laughs> wow. This is the copy, right? With the blood? Yeah. The copy that has the blood that is supposed to be the same one as the blood on the shroud. And so I don't really find too much about that. Maybe I can visit it. That's not too far. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not, you know, it's just another, another point about how do we even talk about relics anymore? <laughs> I mean, how do we even talk about relics at all if all this kind of stuff is happening and I don't see too much, uh, what's it called? Consistency. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. And the church has, like, all these types of relics. I mean, like, the, these things go... I'm not even sure anymore about what should be the position of the of, of the shroud as a relic. But, for example, the church has not only these objects. They Supposedly, they had... Well, not supposedly. We're supposed to believe that the Catholic Church also had the foreskin of Jesus Christ. Ew. <laughs> Ew. And this was supposed to be... A first-class relic. Ew. And it was paraded around as recently as 1983. Ew. <laughs> In the Italian village of Calcutta. What? Calcutta. Not Wait, Calcutta. This from- is going to sound very dumb. And please cut it. Because I'm pretty sure it is going to be dumb. <laughs> cut it, pun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a genius. Um... <laughs> So he was Jewish, right? Yes. <laughs> so isn't it that he's not supposed to have that? Is this? <laughs> no, no, no. They circumcised it and they kept it, allegedly. Oh, from when he was a baby. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it's not, I don't think it's a stupid question. No, stupid question isn't just me being dumb and not knowing stuff. No, I, I think because I don't think, I don't even know nowadays because, you know, we... We we know about circumcision and it happens. Catholics do get circumcised and just people lower do get circumcised. But it doesn't always have a religious 
meaning. So I'm not even sure what we're what we do with the foreskin. Do people even care about the foreskin? I think nowadays, if I circumcise my kid or something like that, I wouldn't want it. That sounds like creepy yeah. because it doesn't mean anything to me. But if you if it's part of your religion, then of course, respectfully, I would think that it matters to you, and it's not. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm. I'm just. So, you know how, like, with the shroud, there's this whole thing where it's just, like, is it or is it not, like, the shroud? What's the argument for the foreskin? It's supposed to be. Like, how do they know it's his? I mean, it's just supposed to be that someone held it um, in... From the beginning? In Jerusalem. Yeah, yeah. It, it's... Okay, so... Um, Why would it? It, is, yeah. it? Was that a custom to, like, keep it? You know how, like, yeah, people keep a lock of their baby's hair, yeah, or like their umbilical cord that fell off. I, I guess it is because it would be weird for someone to just keep it if it's not a custom. I mean, from what I see, not only people of Jewish faith at the time, at least, kept foreskin or did circumcisions, but also other cultures too. Oh. Um, as early as 6,000 BC in ancient Egypt. Oh, wow. Oh, huh. Yeah, like, <laughs> interesting, interesting side side note. Ritual male, male circumcision is known to have been practiced by South Sea Islanders, Aboriginal peoples of Australia, in Sumatra, Incas, and Aztecs. Wow. Um, yeah. What was I saying? Oh, yeah, so the foreskin, right? Um, it was paraded around the streets, like I said, um, even up until 1983 on what is called the Feast of Circumcision, which was formally marked by the Roman Catholic Church around the world to be on January 1st each year. Wait, wait, wait. The, can you repeat that sentence? <laughs> okay. Um, the Feast of the Circumcision. It, it was formally marked by the Catholic Church, Roman Catholic Church, around the world to be on January 1st each year. So there's Christmas on December 25th. And on January 1st, we celebrate the circumcision. <clears throat> we, I guess the Catholic, Roman Catholic Church did, and we don't necessarily, I've never heard of this. Is circumcision something that, that's still, like that the church pushes for still? Yeah. yeah. Yes. There's many thoughts on that. <laughs> Anyway, so this parade, this parade ended because thieves stole the the jewel encrusted case that held the foreskin. They stole it for the jewels, right? Ah. <laughs> oh, um. snap. <laughs> These are un unintentional. <laughs> <laughs> oh, circumcision jokes. <laughs> um the so the thieves they you know they stole the case i'm guessing because of the jewels too but also because there must be people that it matters to right so they would sell it on the black market i was gonna say we don't know though what happened to it oh Be it legit disappeared it legit disappeared oh snap we're unclear if any other holy foreskins still exist at all would there be any other that are holy? Wouldn't it just be? Oh, you're talking about just in general, Jesus and like because it's in multiple in pieces. Okay. Yeah, or like, where is it? I see. So now I just kind of stay like, oh, we had it, and it's kind of like prove it. <laughs> um. Ow! <laughs> <laughs> Lucky bites because she was intention. <laughs> so there's been different types of research, and also there's others that are by researchers that are trying to prove that it is actually real because they hold mock, uh, real-life mock crucifixions. Mm -hmm. um, these are, this is nothing new, especially there's a specific subtypes. So what country it is, I forgot, that they always hold crucifixions, um, right? Always, I'm saying always, I'm like, just doing this every day. No, <laughs> it's like, um, what's it called? Like, uh, what's it called? Good Friday, Easter time. Mm-hmm. Um, because well, some people um, refuse to accept the conclusions that it is a hoax. Um, 
for example, there's a group of American researchers that try to prove that it is not a forgery. And what they do is that um, they get volunteers. Suppose, supposedly, they use forensic techniques such as bloodstain pattern analysis to simulate the way that the shroud could have become soaked in blood. So they put people tied up to a cross and put a fabric over them and see how it would look. They strap, like I said, um, the volunteers to a full-size cross, really. Like, they go, you know, really, really, like, all out. Um, and they put attachments to their wrists and their feet. And they choose people that are uh, men that are in similarity to the physique of the imprint mm-hmm. on the Shroud of Turin. And then, you know, they drench them in blood and especially in the, in the, I mean, in the, in the areas that the shroud supposed, is supposedly stained with blood, like on the, on the hands, you know. Um, and then they analyze the pattern in which the blood flows from, from the, from the wounds to the cloth. And it says <clears throat> in their conclusion, which is not very, I mean, the conclusion is that, let me, I'm going to read it, the presentation using the perspectives from the above disciplines, which are discussed in, in, this is the conclusion of the findings in the beginning, they describe what they do, which I I kind of summarized. These conclusions that were obtained appear to support the hypothesis of shroud authenticity in some new and unexpected ways. So that is another type of research that is being done. And that is all that I have to say about the shroud, according to my findings and i guess you can do with this as you (laughs) deem believable Mm -hmm. or not because if you want to just take the findings in for example the the there's been from before but the strong recent one has been 2018 if you want to just accept that part then you wouldn't need to go on with other stuff like mock crucifixes and everything Mm -hmm. but if you still feel you know, skeptical about those findings, then, you know, you search for another uh, truth that could, you know. Mm -hmm. And that is really, I mean, I don't know how to, how do you feel about this? (laughs) Um, I mean, I feel like there's no concrete evidence to show that it is what it is. It is what is purport, what is supposed to be if we are yeah believe that it's important at all yeah I just I find I find it a little sus that like the nineteen ninety some uh, something because uh, you know how they did the the time test oh yeah, yeah that second time but the first time it was like oh it's only during like it shows to be during medieval times and then the second test was um 280 yeah so it's just like mm. big leap yeah so there's a huge inconsistency right there i mean what other year could we come up with eventually we're gonna come up with 33 Ooh, you know what i mean yeah i mean from 1620 to 200 and then from 200 to 33 is much less of a difference right yeah yeah, for me, I started off thinking the shroud was like something kind of interesting. I was like, oh, what should we think? But then it just kind of, I think, goes down to what I sometimes think about, like, how do you reconcile things? Mm-hmm. You know, because we are, we, if, if people that have been brought up with the church, either you believe, whichever way you stand on this nowadays, we are kind of given that we should just accept things, right? Because that's how it works. But mm-hmm. then it's like, not even in dogma, but this is like, why are, what are we supposed to think? Because you're telling me all these different, mes- you're giving me different messages here. There's mixed right. messages about the shroud itself. I mean, what? why Why do you think that still people care? That they care about the shroud? <laughs> yeah, why is it still held in such, you know, in such a... Uh, uh, what's it called? High regard. Um, excuse me. Yeah, high regard, and also it's treated as a 
as a relic. Well, I guess it's like a historical thing. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying like, oh, we should just burn it or something. I mean, mm-hmm. it has it has a long history, right? Yeah. I so mean, I guess from that point of view. Yeah, I think it, I think people think it's important because it's one of the actual physical things that supposedly it like is from Jesus, so it's kind of like, oh, actual physical like an object that you can see and like kind of be like oh that was on him and that's like where the stories are not stories but like you know the 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 event is from and all that stuff yeah that we know according to tradition Mm -hmm. (laughs) but then it's like why should we even need these things faith should be enough Mm. right like there's no clear um, there's no clarifications on on the status of the shroud and everything, so that's what you know makes me think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if if it is the, the actual shroud, that'd be cool, you know, because it's like holy crap, this thing has survived so many years, and then what are the chances of it actually having been the one to be on this specific person, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, so I didn't tell you. So this Christmas, it, this is what it makes me think of. You know, this Christmas, um, my my son, he's 11, and my daughter, she's um, eight. eight. Yeah, she's and she still believes in Santa. That's oh, so cute. My older, my son doesn't. He understands that it's us, you know. But he plays along because it's, like, fun, you know. It's like, oh, Santa, you know. Like, mm-hmm. he's not, he sometimes kind of, he's like, yeah. And he kind of makes a face like, you and I know. <laughs> <laughs> right and he's in and i'm like you have you know for your little sister still like you know you can't be just talking about it that way so he's like okay and he's in on it you know <laughs> so he's cool now and <laughs> but my daughter forgot to write you know we make her usually write a little letter asking what she wants from santa and she forgot to write it all this time and the night on, on the 24th itself right before going to sleep she was like oh i forgot to f- write the letter but she already told me a long time ago what she wanted. She told me, and I bought it back in October because I have really bad memories, so I just decided to buy it <laughs> because I had to order it from abroad. And and um, it was already here, but you know she didn't know that, of course. And she was like, "Oh no, like I forgot to write it down." And I said, "Oh yeah, you write it down." And and my son is walking around. He's like, "Is it gonna get here in time?" Because he knows that it has to be from <laughs> the United States. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, so he she goes, oh, like oh, I have to write it down. And I'm like, okay. I gave her the paper, and she wrote, you know, the exact things that she wanted. It's it's these three little plushies that she wanted. Okay, um, and it has to come from the United States. And my son was like, is it gonna get here in time? And I'm like, oh yeah, you know, because we're in front of my daughter. We're like, I'm like, oh yeah, you know, I'm pretty sure. Let's see. And he's like, I don't think so. And I said, well, we'll see, sweetie. You know, and such so as like, yeah, my daughter, she's like, she's like, yeah, yeah, I think that it's going to be here. I hope so. And and I'm like, yeah, yeah. You know, of course I had it. And then she puts a little letter. And then he, and then my son just looks at me kind of like, uh, is it going to get here on time? Like how? Like he's going <laughs> to look at me. Yeah, yeah. Like he's like, we, we know what we're talking about. Like what? <laughs> you know, like the face, right? Yeah. So I put out the, no, they, they go to sleep. And in the morning, they usually open up the presents. I put it by the tree. They go check, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Mayo hasn't go to bed. And then around six in the morning, my daughter just comes right like, and we're asleep, you know. She's like, mom, mom, I saw the present. I got it. She's holding the plushie. And she's like, mom, she's like so happy. She's like, I got him. And then she runs back out again. And my son is along with her. And then he stays. He's like, mom, how did he get here? <laughs> And he has this face like he's doubting because like he's doubting his reality. Are you thinking Santa? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you know, I told I told my husband I was like, hey, you know, yesterday when when she was writing the letter, he was asking me with a funny face like, wait, is it gonna get here? And I said, yeah. And he looked confused like, mom, what are you talking about, right? <laughs> and you know, so he knew. And then he says, mom, how did it get here? Is it? It's it's really, is it possible? And then. And then my, my husband said, yeah, Santa. He said, you know, <laughs> he knows that my son knows. Like, uh-huh. So we all know, the three of us know. Um, and he looks at him, he's like, no, no, for real. How did he get here? 
you can see his brain is like <laughs> thinking stuff, you know. And then he's like, "Oh, it's from Amazon." He said, "It's from Amazon. Uh, what's it called? Prime." Amazon Prime delivery because he knows about uh-huh. it, and I say yeah, and my husband said oh yeah, you know, but it, eh, it could be, <laughs> although it's how many hours ago. And my son is thinking, and he's like, remember how when we go to America, how long it takes you to get there <laughs> <laughs> on the airplane? You know, that's pretty. You know, it will be pretty impressive. It it's impressive that I got here so quick. And my son's thinking like it takes maybe twelve hours to from America. And he's like, this is... And he starts to count, like, with his fingers, like, how many hours since, like... I think it was, like, I think, like, 8 p.m. or something that my daughter started to write the stuff. And he's like, uh, oh, maybe there's a special plane. And my husband's like, oh, that would be great if there was. And then he just, like, walks away. <laughs> but, like, he, my son just walks out of the room and he's just questioning everything at this point. <laughs> and we're just laughing, you know, we just left it there. And then we're going to talk about it again. But I think it's kind of that, that kind of thing, like... You know, we're telling him something and he's seeing something that wouldn't make that it does not make sense. You know, but he's like, but I believed in it at a certain moment in my life. So it's kind of it would be kind of nice if it was true. <laughs> it's like, you know that it wouldn't make sense. <laughs> but uh it would be kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right? Or either you believe it's it's real, either you believe in Santa and you believe in the Shroud, or you are in it. And then you kind of play along or like kind of say, oh, this is cool. Or then like you kind of read, you see the research. But a part of you is like, ah, it would be kind of nice if there was some comes up and just says, oh, the research, the research is not real, you know? Yeah. All right. That is all I have for today. And I'm wrapping up the topic of the shroud. Yeah. I mean, it was it was interesting to find out about this because like I said previously, you know, I had heard about the shroud and stuff. So like, oh, cool. And then just think, just thought like, oh, you know. The, the church has it that's cool and then just never really thought about it so you know going into more detail about like where it, where it's been like uh throughout these years and stuff do you have any recommendations just to um, wrap it up ah uh-huh. uh-huh. fire today <laughs> um <laughs> this isn't very <laughs> so corny <laughs> this right, isn't very so topic is appropriate but I started watching What We Do in the Shadows. Oh my god, yo, I forgot to tell you before. You should. Yeah, so the I thing is, it. um I haven't watched the movie, so apparently the movie's the one that came out first, right? Yeah, so I haven't watched yeah. the movie. I just I just started the show. Um I'm still in season one. But yeah, it's it's funny. It's like um it's like not in your face funny. Like you know how like there's some um like comedy shows. Yeah, there's some like comedy shows that have like the laugh track and stuff. It's not like that, right? So, um, yeah, yeah, I like the show. It's funny. It's kind of like The Office for Vampires. Yeah, 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 a little bit like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a documentary style. And then there's a, um, what's it called? There's Talking Heads also. Yeah, it's good. If you if anyone can see it, I really recommend it. You start and it's like, oh, you just. I think it's good for like mm. a binge watch. Yeah. So yeah, that's my recommendation. Yep, vampires. <laughs> Okay, so go and watch that. And if you want to write to us, whether it's your stories, recommendations, or um, just anything, <laughs> you can <laughs> find us on our Instagram, itgotweird.podcast, our Reddit, and then it got weird, or our Gmail, itgotweird.podcast at gmail.com. Just no foreskin pictures. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> unsolicited foreskin pictures (laughs) imagine that's a thing ew that's like next level (laughs) oh man it's like our mom how she keeps her teeth and makes jewelry out of it yeah she still has it right you know i never thought it was weird i i never thought of it as weird until i was telling my friend about it I was like, wait, my mom keeps ours and she's made earrings out of it. And not, it's not only her, but like her friend was doing that and it became kind of a thing for a while. And other people do it. And I was saying it. And as I'm saying it, I realized like, <laughs> this is kind of weird. <laughs> That's kind of weird. <laughs> I wonder what the origin of that is. I, I don't I w- think it's like religious, right? No, I don't think so. I, I'm guessing it might be like some type of indigenous thing. That we just that's kept. what I was thinking too. You know how we mix like, everything. Yeah, uh huh. 
And like I think indigenous cultures tend to do more of like, you know, natural organic stuff instead yeah, yeah. of like, you know, going to a store and buying it because like that wasn't really a thing. Yeah, there's no Macy's. Yeah. <laughs> there's teeth, and that's what that's what you got. <laughs> okay. Bye. For I mean, I think I'll just end it at the foreskin comment, maybe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> or I'll just leave it afterwards. The little song, like, "Hey, our teeth." My mom has it. <laughs> it's a relic. <gasps> oh my god, relics. That means I would have to do CCD, so no thank you. No, you could be, like, by yourself. You're just a saint. And then, like, I, your teeth become first relic. I don't have to relic. do and stuff? <laughs> I, don't even, I don't know anymore. I mean, what if... Do saints uh, have to be no. from the church? No, no, no. You can be a person and just as long as you're Catholic and you... All right, keep my teeth and then you can sell them at a high price when I become a saint, okay? Exactly. Is it? It might be more worth if I just send it through the black market i might be able to make more of it after i stir up you know a nice story about it yeah 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 do it for the family for the familia for the familia for a bird sanctuary oh my god and then put my name oh my god yes (laughs) (laughs) i'm so dumb